0: Hey friends, before jumping into this podcast, I just want to acknowledge that we're all self-quarantining. So yeah, it feels weird to put out a new show and not have anything about the state of the world mentioned. So I wanted to jump in and just say, I see you, I love you, and I'm hopeful that you've jumped onto my website to see all of the free resources that I've put together for you to take advantage of during this time. Go to www.joyfulcourage.com corona and you will see downloadable worksheets for you having to do with routines and agreements. There is access to my family meetings course. There's five different workshops that you can watch for free with a variety of different parenting topics and come froms. And yeah, so that's all available to you on the website during this weird self-quarantine time. But I just wanted to make sure you knew that. I want to make sure you know that I'm thinking about you and hoping that you're staying healthy and enjoying this extra time to connect and be creative with your kids. Hello and welcome. Welcome to the Joyful Courage Podcast, a place where we tease apart what it means to be a conscious parent and aren't afraid of getting super messy with it. I'm your host, Casey O'Rourke, positive discipline trainer, parent coach and in the trenches of the parenting journey with my own two teenagers. Each week, I come at you with a solo show or an interview. You can be sure that the guests on the podcast have something important to say, and I am honored to have you listen in as I pick their brains about what it is that they are passionate about. If you are a parent looking to grow while walking the path of parenting, if you're open to learning new things, if your relationship with yourself and your kids is something you are interested in diving deeper into, then this is the place for you. After you listen, I would love to hear from you. Head over to iTunes and leave a five-star review, letting others know what you love about the show. Or feel free to shoot me an email at casey at joyfulcourage.com. I love hearing from listeners and am always quick to respond. If you want to be sure not to miss any of the happenings going on with Joyful Courage, join my list. You'll stay updated on the podcasts and events that are happening for parents, both online and live. You can join the list at www.joyfulcourage.com join. Yay. So glad you're here. Enjoy the show. Hi, listeners. My guest today is Cynthia Klein. Cynthia is an educator, coach, speaker, and author. Through her work, Cynthia helps parents of children from age 5 to 30 through a strong desire to create a great relationship with her own child Cynthia's journey to developing herself as a parent began early on. By building bridges to understanding and cooperation rooted in mutual respect, she was able to achieve the connection she longed for with her teenage daughter. Oh, that's good. I have a teenage daughter, so (laughs) that makes me feel good. Cynthia understands the challenges of parenting and provides solutions that are unique, effective, individualized and enduring. You can achieve results that will change the course of your relationship with your children and your family's dynamic now and for generations to come. Cynthia's education includes a BA in psychology, training in human resource development certificate, California and New Mexico teaching credentials, numerous parent education certificates, and life lessons gained from raising a successful daughter who values her mom's opinion. Yay. Her book is titled Ally Parenting, A Non-Adversarial Approach to Transform Conflict into Cooperation. Hi, Cynthia. Welcome to the podcast. Good to be here. Yeah. Will you share a little bit more about
1: your journey of doing what you do? Right. I think people ask that about parent educators, because it's not like you go in and get a degree in it. We kind of find our way there. Mm -hmm. And I think mine started when I was a teenager and I just had a really difficult time with my mother and I didn't feel heard. I didn't feel valued and I didn't really feel loved by her. So I think this seed was planted there, but then I went on and I got a degree in psychology, child psychology. And then I went on and I was a teacher. Um, Mm -hmm. However, it was like that teaching elementary school was lovely, but there was something inside of me. Like I really have this mission that I want to help create world peace. Mm. And it's a big, you know, it's a big mission, but it's like, what I want to do is help create humanistic families and my own. And so when I started uh, doing parent education, I had a daughter, and it was around when she was around five years old and I started getting training. And just from there, I started working with parents and I realized that I had a real ability to, uh, because of my background psychology, to really understand what the foundation of the problem is mm-hmm. to help parents mm-hmm. change. And then I had to change a lot because- I didn't have role models for my mother, right, (laughs) how Mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. listen and how to support. And so I did a lot of my own personal growth. And so I've been loving doing this for about 26 years now, helping families.
0: Yay. And I love what you said about world peace
1: because every time
0: something, you know, we see something on the news and adults around the world getting into mischief, all I can think about is, man, if that person only had a healthy sense of belonging, and a healthy sense of mattering, you know, the, the world would be so much more peaceful and cooperative. So thank you for your work. Today, we're going to talk about problem solving. I'm really excited about that. And so much of your book and what I know about your work is really aligned with positive discipline, which is what I talk about a lot here on the podcast. Can you start a bit by sharing, and you kind of touched on it a little bit, but what it, what is it that you believe about behavior and parenting? What's your foundation? And I know you, you've you done a positive discipline training, but yes. what else? What yes. else has uh,
1: helped you? You know, I, when I, hearing this question, one of the, f- the first thing that comes to my mind is if parents can see parenting as an opportunity for personal growth. Yes. Like, like taking it on that way. Not like I'm going to have a child because I want to make a child a certain way or, but it's like, I want to have a child so I can grow. So, my daughter, who is now 31 and got married in the fall, I went through so much uh, with her. Yes, it was wonderful to get to that point. Um, is as long as I started looking at it, is what do I need to do differently? Mm-hmm. Um, and what I find parents have, um, they have, they're having a challenge now with realizing that they are the authority mm-hmm. because. There, there's this, for centuries, there was this hard power approach. And Mm -hmm. so I really talk about a soft power approach. Mm -hmm. So parents get confused and they go, oh, I don't want to be harsh. I don't want to be mean. I don't want to. And And so what happens is they don't want to be hard power, so they often give up power because they don't know how to replace it with soft power, which is positive discipline, right? Totally, totally. Positive discipline is all about still having your authority and your power, doing it in a way that is respectful. And I think for parents to think about how do I lead my child to get their needs met in a positive way rather than how do I control them? So I think if parents, that's what I think about is parenting. I think that's kind of the foundation of all the work that I do with parents. How do we, and what is our language? Mm -hmm. Really Mm -hmm. looking at our language. Like Mm -hmm. when I talk to parents about um, what their words are and what does their child feel? So if you're saying you should have known better, or why did you do that? Mm-hmm. And I tell parents, stop. What is the impact of your words on their your child? Yeah. And they go, oh, that doesn't feel good. But they're so wrapped up into kind of this harshness, which is the hard power. And so I really like to help parents the positive discipline, you know, do the more of Mm -hmm. a soft power, but don't give up your power because they give up their power and then their kids don't do what they want. And then they get all angry and then they go back to hard power. (laughs) Right. Well, and I think it's so interesting too. I mean, I feel like
0: it's really easy for us to sit in. We either have to be, and I think this is what you mean by hard power, right? Really firm, Mm -hmm. but there's no connection or we choose connection and there's no firmness, right? Uh, versus staying connected while holding boundaries. I think that's really the aim. And like you mentioned, not having a role model. I think there's, you know, it's a pretty radical approach, and not, not many of us were raised with models for what it looks like to be firm and connected at the same time. And yeah. so it feels it can feel really wobbly. And I think there's a place there too where. You know, we get to trust that we don't have to be this harsh authoritarian for our kids to grow and develop and learn tools and skills for being cooperative,
1: contributing humans. Yeah, yeah. because that it's with that foundation of the connection. Like it, when mm-hmm. times when they're having trouble, you build the foundation. Then, right? Mm-hmm. So you're when you know how to listen and support when they're having a hard time. So then when you're setting a, a limit or expectation, then they're much more likely to respond positively to it because you have mm-hmm. built a foundation elsewhere. And then when you realize that even when you set a limit, like, okay, it's time to turn, turn in the cell phone. We're going to charge mm-hmm. it now. And if they complain, if parents learn that you just restate the limit or you don't get engaged and you watch your own triggers, emotional triggers, right? Like, oh my gosh, they're not listening to me. They should. And you don't get into then putting them down, mm-hmm. then you can, you can keep the relationship and still set the limit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's always so funny to expect that they're not going to complain. <laughs> They will. Yes, they will. They will. It's okay. You don't need to be mad about them complaining. <laughs> when I work with parents, it's important to me to also try and illustrate, and I'm hearing you talk into this, that it's a scaffolding, meaning it's not just one thing to do or say to get the outcome that you want with your child. And I think often parents will come and, and uh, like, you know, using that example that you just used, how do I get my kid off the cell phone? Like there's one thing to do or say, but what I'm hearing you speak into is building that relationship, right? Setting those limits, being reasonable, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Being respectful. Mm -hmm. What are some other ways that you, so, and and I talk to, to parents, you know, because it's, we can spend all day talking about the problems or the challenges, but it's also, parenting is also how we show up when things are going well right? And what we're creating and developing and nurturing when things are going well. And I like to think of it as like the foundation of a, of a home, right? If you don't spend time setting that foundation up right, the house is going to feel wobbly. So what it, are some of the things that you share
1: with parents that could be considered as scaffolding? It was interesting. I was speaking at a school last week, uh, middle school, and one of the questions I had was like how many of you want to be a parent that when your kid with even they get older or even when they're out of the house when things are really hard that they know they can call you because you'll mm-hmm. listen. Mhm. And they all raise their hand.
2: Of course. Right. Yeah. right.
1: This wow because and then I always ask how many of you have that from your parent? Mm-hmm. And hardly any. So like you were saying like they don't have they don't have the modeling. So I let them know it's something we all have to learn. I had to learn this skill as well. And one of the things that I always say, it starts with changing yourself first. So looking at rather than, I loved your question, you know, the thing about parents saying, how do I get my child to, right? So when right. we start that with that kind of a question, mm-hmm. the focus is, how do I change my child? Right. Right. So I shift it to, what do I, feel think or do differently to get a different response
0: mm. oh I love so that say that again
1: okay what do I feel think or do differently to get a different response that's a great so question. I think of it about a parent-child equation so on one side of the equation is what the parent thinks feels and does mm-hmm. on the other side of the equation is what the child thinks feels and does and there is an influence. You don't directly control. And so think if you have any kind of equation, if you change one side of the equation. So if the parent changes what they're thinking, which is where change has to start, they change what they're thinking, then they're going to change how they feel. Their actions will change. It will definitely get a different response from the child. Mm-hmm. And that's the For most sure. direct way to make change. Don't we all know that, right? We read psychology, change yourself first. Yeah. Um So that's the first thing. The second thing is to ask yourself who owns the problem.
0: This podcast is sponsored by Factor. Are you old enough to remember TV dinners? They came in those tin trays, and each part of the meal had its own little compartment. I remember eating those and watching Happy Days, followed by Three's Company, maybe a little Laverne and Shirley. I am that old. Well, the situation has been totally upgraded by Factor. Factor makes delicious, ready-to-eat meals. And unlike those quick meals of the past, every... Meal from Factor is fresh, never frozen, chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including meals that are calorie-smart, protein-plus, and keto, if that's your thing. Also, there's more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. In my last order, we got red chicken chili, tamale bowls, and Italian sausage pizza casserole, as well as other delicious meals that my family loved. Plus there's breakfast and smoothies and all sorts of other add-ons to make life simpler while also keeping it healthy. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. They've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Right now, head to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use code joyful50 to get 50% off. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50 to get 50% off. So I've been getting groceries from Hungry Root for the last few months and I am loving it. I use it to keep healthy snacks in the house, and I also order a few meal kits that are easy go-to's during the week. What I love is the variety that shows up in the box. Crunchy snacks, sweets, breakfast smoothies, whatever I've clicked as wanting comes to my door. My dietary wishes are different than my family's. The boys, Ben and Ian, they're always trying to build muscle and gain weight, I am not. Hungry Root gives so many options, it meets all of our needs. In our last box, we got cilantro lime chicken with jasmine rice and it literally took me seven minutes to put together. Listen, after working all day and doing all the things for the fam, seven minutes to throw together dinner works for me. And the ingredients are good, like high quality good. Everything from Hungry Root follows a simple standard. It's gotta taste good, be quick to make, and contain whole trusted ingredients. Save hours of planning, shopping, and cooking. Let Hungry Root deliver the food you love. Right now, Hungry Root is offering joyful courage, podcast listeners, 40% off your first delivery, and free veggies for life. Just go to hungryroot.com joy and get 40% off your first delivery and those free veggies. That's hungryroot.com joy. Don't forget to use our link so that they know we sent you.
3: Oh, that's and, such a
1: big question. I love yeah, that question. Right? Who? Okay. This issue, um, who owns the problem? And so I, I really learned from actually from Active Parenting, another program that I, I mm-hmm. studied with, about kind of three roles. And I put the names to them. You're either a director, a collaborator, or a supporter, depending on whose problem this is to solve. Mm-hmm. So. Let's say if you want to get your, you want to get out of the house in the morning. That's a big problem for a lot of people. Without nagging and yelling, yes, it is. <laughs> so ultimately, you think about okay, who, who, what's the goal of getting out of the house? Right? Maybe you need to, the parent needs to get to work. The kid, most kids want to go to school. They just have a hard time getting out of the house. Right. They, mm-hmm. They eventually want to be there, so you think, okay, I want us to leave, and the child wants us to leave, so that means that it's a joint problem to figure out how to get out of the house in the morning. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk about that later too about the collaborator. Yeah, um, and so that's the second thing: what is your role? And then the third is really building emotional connection first, <laughs> mm-hmm. because here it is, folks: you can't control your children.
0: Right. Oh my gosh. My (laughs) listeners have heard me say that so much. (laughs) You can only influence. (laughs) Yes. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Totally. And you know, it's just so fascinating when we start to notice all the ways that we are creating the issues that we're having. So um, the language you use in your book is adversary. And so I'm curious, you know, in, in, in the experience that you've had with working of with parents, what are some of the ways that parents show up as adversaries in their relationship with their kids? Okay, unknowingly, granted, granted, we right, don't always right. know that we're
1: doing this, but
0: you know, knowledge. Right, they our. they
1: never know it, it. Right, so it it starts always with our what our belief is, right? Mm-hmm. Because okay. again, there's a think feel do cycle, and how we think then leads to our feelings and our actions, and so they. Their attitude is that the child is the problem. That mm-hmm. They are to blame. So once you think that way, they then you think, if only my child was or would do, then there wouldn't be this problem. Right. So Or right, even like, you
0: are doing something to me. The victim. Right. I think that's a
1: place where we get into victim mindset, too. Exactly. So then you feel powerless, right, as mm-hmm, a parent? hmm Because then it's like the child's the problem, and they're causing you to suffer. You're the victim, and then you feel powerless. hmm So what happens then when that feeling inside, because, man, we all have these certain beliefs about how we should be treated as a parent. Sure. <laughs> I would yeah. never have done that, right? <laughs> yes. I, I would never have done that to my parents. Oh, yeah. So- it's, it's this adversarial belief is like, I'm right, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. You should do what I say. So all of those beliefs that you have that maybe as an aware parent, you know that, oh, I shouldn't have them. However, it's important to really sit down and evaluate what is it that's triggering me? What is it that I'm thinking?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Why am I keep thinking that they're the problem? So, okay. So if they're the problem, then that leads us to then trying to control them. Mm -hmm. And what has been out throughout time is the way of controlling is what? Shaming, humiliating, Mm -hmm. making people feel bad. Yep. Threatening. Threatening. If you Mm -hmm. don't, you should have. How many times do I have to tell you? Why are you so? (laughs) Yep. Yep. So all of that language is extremely adversarial because it's simply hurting the child. Then if a person feels hurt, if they're trying to protect themselves, which is one of the uh, five goals that we have is protection. Mm -hmm. The way to negatively protect oneself is through revenge. Mm -hmm. So then they get back at parents and Mm -hmm. then this vicious cycle happens. So it starts out with thinking, how am I perceiving this? So again, like I said earlier, if we can see it as this is our problem, like you were saying earlier about I am part of the problem. Mm -hmm. And then it actually gives parents power because you're part of the problem. You're also part of the part of the solution. Yeah. I love
0: that too, because it means that, I mean, it's like a relief when I really think about Mm -hmm. it. It's like Mm -hmm. you recognize I can't control this person in front of me, uh, with, without like engaging in behavior that I'm just not willing to engage in. And so, yeah. And so I get to do something different. Like I can control me. I can, you know, and, and sometimes it takes practice, right? I get so lit up about that powerful first step in making change, just simply being in awareness of what we're doing. And becoming aware that we're part of the problem. And I talk a lot about this on the podcast. So for the sake of this conversation, let's just assume that the listeners have done the work of becoming aware and and they're working on just like shifting up the internal experience. And it's so funny, you know, in the positive discipline community, there's ongoing conversation of think, feel, do, yes. or feel, think, do. I come from the camp of that. And and I really like to go even deeper than just naming feelings, but really like internal experiences and physical sensations. Like for me, that's the most basic place to start is, wow, my body is really tense. And if I can release the tension in my body, then that's my first step towards, okay, I can change the experience I'm having in my body then I can work on my thinking. Otherwise, I'm just having like a spin out
1: around my thinking.
0: Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: That's great to be aware of that.
0: Yeah. Mm. So again, for the sake of this conversation, assuming that listeners are doing that work and they've begun to create that scaffolding, they get the not wanting to show up adversarially and they're working on that connection and respected relationship which none of this means, by the way, everyone, and, and you've heard me say this, none of this means that there's no conflicts, uh, right? Uh-huh. And it's messy. Like even when we are showing up really, really well, we're doing our work, we're leaning into the personal growth and development, this is a messy, messy journey. So (laughs) Cynthia, I'm really excited to dig into the process (laughs) with you of when those conflicts and challenges show up, when things feel hot, right? And it's time to figure it out. In your book, you talk about being a collaborator. So tease that apart a little bit more for the
1: listeners. What does being a collaborator mean? Okay. And I think, um, What's important, since you have these self-reflecting parents listening, is so if you have an issue and a problem, you don't like how it went. So take the time to sit down later on and evaluate it, like what was happening, yeah. What was my part? Because that's really the only way you're going to make changes, right. right? So that's the pre-step, right? Is right. to recognize, okay, okay, I'm gonna, the eyes wide open. Right. So if we're talking about, like I mentioned earlier, there's three roles that you play as a parent and you play them at different times, depending on who has ownership of the problem. So you're a director, a collaborator, or a supporter. So Mm -hmm. if you want your child to do something that they have absolutely no interest in doing whatsoever, um, then you have to give director role strategy. So for example, my daughter- was not keen on um, cleaning the bathroom as a teenager. I don't understand oh, yeah. why. But, <laughs> so surprising. Right. She didn't. And so I would use the director role strategy of after that or work before play. And I have mm-hmm. it in my book and she mm-hmm. approved the message in the book. <laughs> and it worked every time. Okay. But let's say it's a collaborator. So we would first collaborate. Um, so I mentioned earlier that issue about getting out of the house in the morning. Right. Okay. So let's say you've been a parent and you've been acting like a director. Mm -hmm. So in other words, you've been barking at people and telling them what to do. That's a director mentality. That's not Mm -hmm. a let's collaborate. So what you want to first do is you realize, okay, I've been telling them what to do. Maybe it's about chores. That's a collaborative problem to solve at first. Okay, whatever it is, you have to think who whom does it directly impact. So if chores aren't done, if laundry isn't done, the dishes aren't done, cooking isn't done, it will impact your children. Right? Even though right. they aren't excited about it. Okay. So that's what well, I like the, I like
0: the getting out the door in the morning because that's yeah. alive and actually really current for me even with a 14-year-old who's in 8th grade, you know, we had the beginnings of this conversation just this morning.
1: Okay. So number one, you don't want to have the conversation in the midst of the problem. So that's going to be your first step. So what you'll say is you'll say to whoever's involved in the problem is, you know what? We're having a problem with getting out of the house in the morning and I'm acting like it's just my problem. And I think I'm acting in ways you probably don't like. Is that true? I love that. Ownership and transparency. You need to say that. Uh, You say, Mm -hmm. okay, so- Because I'm acting this way, we're going to meet together and we're going to go through a problem solving process to come up with a better plan because my plan of barking at you is not working and
2: Mm -hmm. it
1: makes you feel bad. Okay. So you first present it that way. All right. And then you bring everybody together. Um, And the first step on the five step is stop blocking communication. So that's (laughs) that's a whole process of learning about when one of your kids is talking, there are communication blocks you can be saying that's shutting them down. Mm-hmm. You might be, they might feel like you're interrogating them. You might, let's say they say something like, um, okay, you're sitting down together. You're, you're at another time, not in the morning. And you're going to say, okay, we have to come up with a better solution because right mm-hmm. now what's, this isn't working. And let's say you're saying, okay, let's each go around and say what we feel about what's happening in the morning. What is each person feeling about it? So let's say your daughter says, "What, what, what might be some complaint she might have about you?" <laughs> <laughs> can
2: I say? Can I
1: ask?
0: <laughs> oh, I. Um, well, my use of the words always and never.
1: Okay. All right. That's one. Right. Okay. So I will just start with that. I don't need to put you okay. on the spot anymore. All right. No, so you can. I'm an open book, Cynthia. So, yeah, it's all good. <laughs> so let's. <laughs> Let's say your daughter says, "Mom, I I hate it when you always say always or yes. you always say never." And this would be a communication block and response. Well, you know, if if you would follow and get along and do things in the morning, then I wouldn't say that. Okay. So, in other words, that's shutting her down from talking. Yep. And she would then think, <laughs> well. I'm not going to say anything cuz you don't listen. So I have a whole list of 10 different communication blocks in my book of ways yeah. that we shut down a person when they're trying to express themselves. Yeah. Parents can get
0: very defensive. Oh <laughs> man, yes we can. Right? Yeah. Yes
1: we can, absolutely. So if so that so the second step is to listen openly to feelings. So this is tricky. Um and again, would be like just even if your daughter says that or um, she says something else and you're like feeling inside like, well, if you just or you know that kind of stuff. So if we can learn to listen and acknowledge, even if we don't agree or just say, OK, hmm, mm-hmm. OK. And you can even write down notes while each person is making a complaint or what they feel about the morning. If you can imagine having a binder and you're actually writing them down, because when you write down what somebody says, what does it say about what they're saying? But it's important to you. Yes. Hey, friends, hope you are
0: feeling safe and calm and are hunkered down in good health with your family as we move through this weird and wild new normal. I am interrupting this interview to remind you that the Sex Ed for Parents of Teens Summit is less than a week away. People seem to love to wait until the last minute to sign up for things like this. And sometimes they even wait until the event is happening to jump in on it. Don't let this be you because you're gonna have to pay more as a latecomer and that isn't what you want. Instead, you want to get your registration in now so that you are all squared away and ready to roll with all of us when we start on Monday, April 6th. I want to remind you about how this is going to unfold. So you're going to get registered before April 6th, preferably today, and then pay $29 to be a part of the summit. The morning of April 6th, you will get an email from me with a link to listen to the first interview of the summit and you get to listen to that interview on your own time there is no specific place that you have to be online or otherwise to listen to the interview it's yours you can jump into the conversation over in the joyful courage parents of teens group with questions or support after you listen in and then each morning throughout the week you'll wake to find another link in your inbox for each of the 5 interviews and discussions are going to happen every day in the Facebook group. The interviews are all yours to download and keep forever. Also, my team and I are creating a beautiful e-zine, like a magazine online, to go along with the interviews that include transcripts and resources for you. It's super professionally presented, also downloadable. Now, if you wait until after April 6th, the price jumps to $49. The summit will only be available through April 12th. So you really wanna get on it. Five amazing guests, powerful, useful conversations. I'm telling you, you want this. Your kids are going through their sexual development whether you like it or not. This resource is gonna support you and being the available, confident, connected parent that they are going to need. Now, go over to www.joyfulcourage.com slash S-E-M-S and get registered. That's www.joyfulcourage.com S-E-M-S. And I will see you next Monday as we start the summit. What I love about this is I feel like um, we make so many assumptions about what our kids think, what our kids want. And it's so, you know, I know that when I've recognized it, it's, or, or when I've had that experience being on the other end of it, it's really insulting. And Mm -hmm. I feel like when we listen to feelings, when we really listen and, and the, what I say to clients is, you know, the reason that you're listening is you're, you want to gain some information. You know, you want to understand better what their experience is. Because sometimes we think we have one problem, but that's not even really the problem. And mm-hmm. we don't get to the core of it until we actually hear from our children and our teenagers specifically around what the problem and barriers are for them. Then we can have a, a conversation about a problem that by solving it is
1: actually going to be forwarding. Exactly.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I love this.
1: And it's like... um I, when I was teaching the other day, I was saying, you know, you have your viewpoint, and your child has their viewpoint. There isn't one viewpoint. Yeah, there, there's, and and this one parent, when they wrote down what they liked about the class, it was like, oh my gosh, I I, I never thought about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like my yours isn't the right. Yours is just one, right? And so. And so if you're, if you're having a hard time hearing, which can be hard because they're complaining about you at first, that they'll all, they'll just do that at first. And if you're writing it down, it'll help you. (laughs) 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 not take it personally yeah yeah right yeah okay all right this is just and then everybody goes around and you're talking about what the problems are and what you'll notice is when they feel heard and not blamed or judged see as soon as they feel like well if you had done this then they're going to shut down and you can't do any problem solving right so, okay. So it sounds like, you know, you don't like me yelling and then you might be able to say something like, I get frustrated when, mm-hmm. what do you think you'd say?
0: Well, I get frustrated when it feels like it's the mm-hmm. same, like we're on a replay, just mm-hmm. that it's the same challenge regularly where mm-hmm. I feel like in the mornings, the the issue is I feel like I'm having to be in the role of hustling
1: people along. And I don't want that job. There you go. So, you know, it, then, yeah, I don't want to be your director. Yeah. I don't right? want to be your I don't want to do that. So, and then you could say, that's why this is so important for us to come up with a solution together that will work for, at least we can try one that'll work sure. much better than it is now. Yeah. So, Make sure the kids go first. Yeah, yep, yep. (laughs) They need to feel heard first before they're going to hear you. And so, you know, you can have rules about, you know, you might have a talking stick. Only the person with the talking stick can talk. You might have a rule about setting a timer. Each person gets a minute. You kind of need to uh, decide what works best for the family. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, You set a guideline of, okay, when a person's speaking, then it's important that the other person doesn't interrupt them. Yes. When we're sharing feelings. And so, uh, yeah, set up a few guidelines ahead of time. We want this to be respectful. We want everybody to feel like they're contributing, they're important, and that everyone together is collaborating, coming up with a solution.
3: Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.
2: Well, hey there, Busy Mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter free. And it feels
1: it feels good to be heard. <laughs> it does. So the thing that you'll find and you have teenagers, so they you know, I their do. brains developing. Not fully developed another 10 years, no. but at least it's getting there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> slow
1: trudge. It's a slow trudge towards 25. <laughs> However, when they feel like they're heard and you've expressed some things and then you can say, okay, let's come up with some different possibilities of solutions. Mm-hmm. So do not ask when you're doing problem solving. This is a, do not ask, what do you think we should do? Because you're asking for the final solution before you've gone through any possibilities.
0: Okay. So what about the question of what ideas do you have?
1: There you go. Or okay. or let's say, let's all come up with different ideas. Okay. So even that's even more than what do you direct teenagers or kids directly being asked. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it that can shut them down. It can okay. feel like a communication block of interrogation people are very sensitive. So I always start with that. That's really interesting. I never thought about it that way
0: because I always encourage parents to, you know, mine ideas from the child
1: first before putting their ideas down. It depends what kind of response you get. So I would say more like, let's come up with different ideas. Okay. Okay. Rather than asking them because some kids are like younger ones, like, I don't know. And right, then if they right, say, right, I don't know, right. you say, okay, well, I'll throw out an idea and then we'll take turns. Because often kids are saying, I don't know, because they feel like they're going to be judged and evaluated and they're going to be told, right, that that isn't a good idea. Okay. So um, so you're going through this, you're coming up, you know, you're, you're step two, you're letting them express themselves. And step three, you're discussing and evaluating ideas. So you're really writing down different solutions. Okay. And you say, all right, guys, as a collaborative problem... We all have to agree to try a solution Mm
0: -hmm. or a
1: couple different solutions. So let's say a teenager isn't getting up in the morning and the parents having to get up, help them get up. So you might be saying, I I don't want to be your alarm clock anymore, right? Mm -hmm. So what Mm -hmm. are we going to, what's one, what's a couple ideas what to do about that? And so- Teenager might say, okay, uh, you know, and let's say you don't, you say, I don't want your cell phone, right? Because maybe they're going to say, I can use my cell phone to get myself up.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And you might say, no, we're not having cell phones in the room.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: What would be another way you can get yourself up?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Okay. So come up with different possibilities, different solutions. And the step four is to make a plan together. Now, it's really important to know that to state it as this is the plan we're going to try first.
0: Yes. Love that. I love that and I want to make sure listeners heard that, right? And we or we'll say Let, let's try this for a week and see how it goes. That's one of the things that we say that I offer parents as well, but I'm hearing it like I think often we make a plan or a contract and it's like okay. This is how it's going to be now forever. <laughs> exactly.
1: Exactly. I mean, you know, there's a lot of people who got married and divorced, right? It's like they made a plan. <laughs> yes. They signed a contract. Didn't right. really work out. It didn't really work out. Okay. And and I think for kids to learn that in life, that we, from the best of our ability right now, we're going to make a decision and we're mm-hmm. going to see how it goes. So yes, I suggest you can say a, a week, whatever you feel in your family. Mm-hmm. So let's say uh, if you feel like you feel like this is not going to work and you don't want to wait a week, mm-hmm. you might say, let's try this for three days. Whatever sure. you feel would fit or your comfort level is. Because if, anyways, so you come up with a plan, write it down. Now, <laughs> I, I feel like there's two parts to collaborative problem solving. The one part is to actually sit there and make a plan. That's Mm -hmm. the easy part. Mm -hmm. The hard part is following through.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Okay. So, and I'm sure you do with parents. I mean, you know, um, positive discipline does a lot. I mean, I love their whole thing about family meetings and stuff. Mm -hmm. It's wonderful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So you make a plan to know that follow through won't necessarily be as easy. So please don't get mad with your kids if they have a hard time following through right Uh, so whenever you make a plan so you just said you know a lot of times you say a week which is fine let's say you say let's get together in a week and set a time that you're going to meet yes and you're gonna get together okay we're going to get together on next Friday at this time and we're going to see how this is going if we need to tweak it and make other changes now what do you do during the week if it isn't working what are your thoughts on that Well, I,
0: you know, it's what we do is, hey, we recognize if there's a deadline or a timeline or we're in the moment, it sounds like, hey, what did we agree to about the mornings? Uh Uh-huh. You know, and then you just get to become a broken record. What was our agreement? What was our agreement? And we get to let go of their eye roll and foot stomping. And then eventually, you know, there they are. Fine. Okay, right. Yeah, I'll do it you know? And so it's just kind of that broken record and how we follow up is by just staying calm and confident
1: and consistent. That's what
0: Mm -hmm. I would say. Mm -hmm.
1: And if there's there's an issue, you may want to say, you know what? I've fallen back into being the one to remind you again, we got to meet again tonight. Sure. Right. (laughs) It sounds
0: like this solution isn't isn't working out. Work. And I think sometimes, you know, it's important to, to remember that sometimes our kids are agreeable to a solution because they're just done with the conversation. Yep. And so when it is a follow-up, you know, when they're not following through, often that could be part of it too, you know, and to just acknowledge or, you know, for someone like me coming into this work was challenging. It was hard for me to let go of control. It still is challenging for me to let go of control, but it all, my kids always show me when I've created the solution versus if it's been co created. Because if
1: I've created it, it never nah. is useful. No, <laughs> nah. no because they'll, they'll also blame you. You know, I tried this and it was your solution, and you're thinking, I, mm-hmm. wait a minute, you agree to it. Yeah. So if it comes from them, it it works out much better. So again, mm-hmm. you can say, you're okay, I'm falling back into this role of reminding you, and this is not what I wanna do. Right. No, you might have to. Uh, the after then is one of the things that sometimes works. Like one um, family I was working with, and they had two teenage boys, and they did this whole discussion. It was getting out of the house in the morning. And one of the issues was that they came up with, they didn't like mom yelling at them to put down on the cell phone and get ready. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they hmm, made it. And they Right, right. So they yeah. made an agreement that nothing could be, they couldn't use a cell phone until they had uh, gotten all ready and the dog had been fed. Okay. Now, the next morning, the boys wanted to see if <laughs> if they were going to really be held to task. Sure. So the mom used the after then, the work mm-hmm. before play, which is um, looked at the son. This, one son was, um, oh, was on the cell phone. And they said, remember After you get all ready, then you can be on the cell phone. Mm -hmm. So she didn't even go into the whole agreement. She made it shorter. Mm -hmm. And he looked at her and kind of smiled, and then he put the phone away. She was blown away. Yeah. Uh, And then she even had the the other son was playing with the dog in the morning. Mm -hmm. And she said, and she said what's called an empathy phrase, which is like, you're, you know, you really love your dog, and your dog really loves you. She didn't say, but mm-hmm. she says, after you get ready, then you can play with the dog. Mm-hmm. So that's where you can also put some empathy in and then you can see after that. So I think it's important for parents to see, to understand that I might have to use a director role strategy. It's time to, or after that, or yeah. two of them. Collaborative problem solving. Yeah.
0: yeah. And in positive discipline, we just call that connect before correct or redirect yeah where it's like i acknowledge you i see you and here's the expectation
1: Um, you know positive discipline knows about not saying but after you're connecting right yes yes but just erases everything you say beforehand it says what i'm saying what i want is more important than right the connection absolutely
0: absolutely oh that is so so helpful thank you So in the context, this is my final question for you, Cynthia, and I know you're a listener of the podcast, so you probably know what's coming. In the context of Ally Parenting, which is the name of your book, what does Joyful Courage
1: mean to you? You know, what's interesting with this question, what came up for me is I find parenting, especially teens and young adults, scary (laughs) because my daughter was bullied and there was... um, Because of that, she had all these girls turned against her and she was traumatized for many, many, many years, Mm. many years. And so she did a a lot of uh, challenging, risky behavior. And so I had to feel a lot of fear. And for me to feel that fear... And to realize that that's fear for now. And then for me to put that fear aside, because to be able to look through my child's current scary behavior, to look at her potential instead Mm. of, instead of the actions at that moment, what she was doing, because to believe in her that right now she's doing these things because of her lack of belief in herself. And I think, Having that feeling about her made her always be able to call me when things were really rough and they got pretty darn scary.
3: Yeah.
1: But because of that, that, so I see is my courage to have that courage and still find joy amongst the fear. Just not make that everything what I was feeling, to still find the joy and love with her, which made it so she could talk to me and connect with me. And the last starting probably her late 20s, she kind of got it all together. Mm. <laughs> so oh, thank you for sharing that.
0: We just I just completed a mini summit around adolescent mental health. And I feel like your response fits so nicely in, regardless if it's that you know, risky behavior because of bullying or just finding ourselves in a mental health conversation and our kids, like being able to recognize the fear and set it aside so that we can really be there for our kids. And also what I heard you say too, like right now is not forever.
1: Yeah. Yep.
0: So thank you. Thank you yeah. for
1: that. There was there was a one scary time she was in San Luis Obispo. We were driving away and she was with this guy who was clinging on to her and I did not know if I'd ever see my daughter again. Mm, yeah. So scary. I know fear. Right? <laughs> yep. Yep. And now I'm joyful. Yay. <laughs> Yay, she's married. She's, she's married, married to a wonderful rolling. guy, a guy that's stable great. and steady. And she's gone up and down her whole life, but he was just kind of there waiting somehow. Oh, me. that's so great. It's, it's Thank you for lovely. sharing. I think
0: it's really important for parent educators, you know, to because this there's no like, do this and everything will be magical, oh. right? I mean, it's just- Oh, my just, daughter was-
1: uh. She was sneaking out at night. Oh, my God. She told me things later in life. Oh, mom, I used to do this. You didn't know. Oh, man. Yeah. When the door was closed, I'm thinking, always keep your, you know, and I she said, the only way you could have kept me in is if you had an alarm on the door. You know, oh, <laughs> so man. I
0: went through a lot of stuff with my daughter. Uh, well, where can listeners find more
1: about you and follow your work? Great. Uh, so I think the best place is my website um, and it's Bridges. The number two, Mm understanding.com, because, you know, I love to be a resource for people and they can find out about my book and my speaking and my coaching and my online classes at Bridges, number two, understanding.com. Awesome.
0: Are you on social media?
1: I am. You can, I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn. Oh, my social media person just started Instagram. So I think I'm great. Welcome. (laughs)
0: Welcome to Instagram. Instagram. (laughs) Cool. I know, right? (laughs) Great. Well, I'll make sure that all those links are in the show notes for you all listeners so that it's easy to find Cynthia. Thank you so much
1: for coming on and spending time with me today. Oh, this has been a pleasure. Enjoyed it so much. Thanks for inviting me.
0: Thank you so much for listening. It is my great honor to create this show for all of you. Big thanks to my producer, Chris Mann at Shaper for his work in making the podcast sound oh so good if you're interested in continuing these powerful conversations that start on the podcast become a patron by heading to www.patreon.com slash joyful courage that's www.patreon.com slash joyful courage for five dollars a month you will have access to a private facebook group where I do weekly Facebook Lives on Mondays and interview recaps on Fridays. Plus, it's a great way to give back to the show that gives you so much. Be sure to subscribe to the show, head to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, wherever you are listening to podcasts and simply search for the Joyful Courage podcast and hit that subscribe button. Join our communities on Facebook, the Live and Love with Joyful Courage group and the Joyful Courage of Parents of Teens groups are both safe, supportive communities of like-minded parents walking the path with you. If you're looking for even bigger, deeper support, please consider checking out my coaching offer. www.joyfulcourage.com coaching is where to go to book a free explore call with me and we can see if we're a good fit. I'll be back next week, can't wait. Until then, big love to you. Remember to find your breath, ride it into your body, take the balcony seat, and trust that everything is gonna be okay.
4: Oh, hey everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly Unsticking it with Blair and Molly because sometimes Unsticking
1: life sucks.